On this episode of Intent Topics, we have special guest writer Fearwald from Al Ross Labels. Today, we'll be talking about his experiences with entrepreneurship through acquisition. Ryder, thank you for coming on the show. Thanks for having me, guys. Absolutely. Absolutely. So, Ryder, tell us a little bit about your um, your sort of path to where you are today, um, and then we can dive into some of the some of the other interesting pieces here. Absolutely. Happy, happy to do it. So, my background, I grew up in Colorado, went to school out in California, went to an undergraduate business school at USC, and... After school, got into the world of software and startups, worked for a couple of different companies between San Francisco and New York, mostly in a sales capacity. So doing account executive type sales work and then eventually moving into more of a management position for a a couple of different early stage and and middle stage growth companies, um, all venture backed. And after about seven years of doing that, was at a point where I was really ready to just go on and, and do something on my own. Wasn't sure exactly what that was, but I was about 29 years old and this was about a year and change ago and was really ready to, to dive into my own business, whatever that meant. So I started doing a bunch of research and just looking around at, at different industries and ideas and things that I was interested in and came across this concept of entrepreneurship through acquisition and came across a couple of books and podcasts all about things that are search funds and entrepreneurship through acquisition and all these different schools of thought that are coming out of a lot of the big business schools these days. And realized that as uh, me personally, from just what I think I'm good at, is, is more so on the execution side of it. I, you know, I don't claim to be the ideator. So I started looking at, at different businesses that I, that I could buy, that I could actually go out and acquire and come in and operate and run and really get that hands-on experience. And as I went down this rabbit hole of just exploring that whole world, I started to get more and more refined on exactly what I was looking for. You know, I knew I wanted it to be B2B, ideally some sort of recurring revenue business model. Didn't necessarily have to be software, but software or something, some sort of product, something that was was in the world of business. It was B2B. It was small enough where where I could actually raise the capital to buy it. It had a long enough track record where it had been around for a while and, and people trusted the brand. And I spent about two or three months researching probably between two and 300 different companies, all of different shapes and sizes and ultimately landed on a handful of companies and eventually acquired about a year ago, uh, this company called Al Ross Label Company. Al Ross Label Company has been around for about 40 plus years. And it's it's just a labeling and packaging business. So we make labels that, are, that go on to different products, whether it's cosmetics or food and beverage or you know, stickers and labels that are used to help box things up. We make that. We manufacture out of a warehouse in Los Angeles. And I got together with a business partner and we ended up buying the warehouse as well as the business about a year ago. And we've been operating it ever since. Okay, nice. Cool. That is that is quite the story. So so you had no no previous experience uh, in this industry before you kind of jumped both feet first, huh? I did not. No, I, I had never, oh. never really worked in, in any 
hard product manufacturing like this, didn't have mm-hmm. experience in labeling, didn't really know much about the industry until we started looking at this business at all. Well, interesting. So going into a new business or new industry, um, I think just from a sales perspective is hard enough, right? So, you know, trying to figure out product knowledge and all that kind of stuff, but you did kind of the, the sales side and had to get, you know, very well acquainted operationally as well, kind of in the, you know, at the same time very quickly. So talk about how you were able to make that transition and, and were there some, you know, hacks that you, you, you kind of figured out along the way that made it easier? Um, or was it, you know, just generally a, a struggle every day or, or talk about that? It's definitely been a challenging process. It's, it's by no means impossible, I'd say. And, and I don't claim to be an expert at all in, in labeling and packaging. But in my experience, I think for one, there were a lot of parallels to how you sell labels with, with how you sell software. It is very much a recurring revenue sales model where companies are buying labels on a monthly, quarterly, or annual basis. And so when you're looking at the sales process and the sales funnel, I just looked at it similar to the sales process and everything that I had learned from my previous jobs and applied that to what we're doing here. So the sales, the transition from a sales perspective, a lot of the principles carried over. So that wasn't, it wasn't such a challenging thing to transition over into sales. The product knowledge, the knowledge of, of labeling is where that was a pretty challenging thing. And what I realized pretty quickly is that the knowledge came from two places. One, it was the existing workforce. So we had the old owners that stayed on with us for a couple of months that really helped transition and, and teach my business partner and I about this business. Our existing employees that we still have, we retained all the all the employees that were here. We kept them around. They know how to make the product. So I didn't have to learn necessarily how to make the product from day one. And one other thing that we did was we went to all of our suppliers and we basically said, we want to meet with every single one of you in person and we'd like for you to come to our office and then use that as a way to really leverage their knowledge of the industry. So our paper and plastic suppliers, our ink suppliers, the guys who make our machines, we had them all come in and spend an hour with us. And now it's been pretty regularly they come by just teaching us as much as they could about the space. From interesting, so okay. good. Um, and then, and then from there, it was just it was a lot of a lot of screwing up, a lot of making mistakes. It was a lot mm-hmm. of just learn mm-hmm. learn as you go. You know, we're fortunate enough to come into here with an existing customer base and, and processes that we were able to follow. So for those existing customers, we really just did things the way they were doing it. Didn't really change a whole lot. New customers, we've gone out and really leveraged our network to to do that. Um, but it's it was it was an adjustment. It, it wasn't. Fortunately, the basics of this industry are not super complicated. The nuance can be once you get really into it, and there's still a lot to learn, but that's kind of how we how we jumped in. Cool. Interesting. So, um, so you were able to grow, I, I think you told me you were able to grow the, the business, um, you know, kind of right out the gates in the first year, um, you know, modestly. So I, tell us about how you were, I think, salespeople run into this a lot where, you know, it's the, there's the things that there's the actions that make us money, right? Like prospecting, closing deals. And then there's kind of that bog down, the administrative bog down, right? So, you know, whether it's the, you know, the manager or the paperwork you got to fill out on that deal you sold two weeks ago. 
And then I think that's kind of exacerbated when you're you're going into to a new business. So talk about how how were you able to manage kind of the the strategic side of the business and the operational side of the business while also being able to you know sell um, and kind of juggling that, um, which it sounds like you've done a, a fairly good job at. So so what are the what are some of the things that you've done to to really make that work? Yeah, absolutely. So first, the first thing we did was our main focus was for the first three months when we still had the old ownership in in here was not change anything, do everything the way they were doing it before. Don't try to get fancy and start, you know, looking at operational efficiencies and things we wanted to improve. The business had cash flow. We knew that we knew that we could pay the loans off using the cash flow. So just maintain the existing business, learn the customers, get comfortable with the industry and we thought that process would take us six months to do. It ended up being a lot quicker than that. We just we started reading. We started talking to a lot of different people. And in about three months' time, I think we were able to get a grasp on, on the business that we have here and our existing customer base. So once we felt like we were comfortable there, we looked to... We started first with our network. Um, having gone to a school like USC, you're afforded with this, with this amazing network. And then both of us had had professional experiences for seven or eight years where we were able to just leverage any and everyone we knew, anyone that had their own water bottle company, their own hot sauce company, worked for a cosmetics brand. We just started reaching out to and saying, Hey, we're in this space now. We'd love to make these for you. We're confident we can be competitive on quality, timing and price and give us an opportunity. And that was really the, our first foray into going out and doing sales. And we started to get some, some traction that way. We started to just use our network to, to make sales. And that's how we made our, fir- you know, our first several months worth of sales were made really through, through our network. What we were dealing with at the same time is, you know, fortunately, and un- it's just double-edged sword, but as the owners of the business, right, we're not, we don't have a, a KPI day one that says this is your ramp up period as a salesperson. These are the numbers you need to hit in order to keep your job. We just knew we needed to keep the customers and we needed to add customers methodically when we could. Of course, we were running into a lot of operational challenges also on just running the business and learning it. Something would get screwed up with a label. You know, we need to. Mm-hmm. We had a, a label wouldn't stick on something. It'd lift off a product. It wouldn't be the right color. It would machine would break. Mm-hmm. So yeah. it's a balance. It's mm-hmm. a lot. I think one of the the most the the best things is having a business partner and being able to lean on them and making sure you have different skill sets. So my partner's really taken on the procurement and the sourcing side of our business. And he goes out and he, you know, he meets with all of our suppliers and he does all the ordering for all the inks and the papers and all that. I've taken on more of a, Mm -hmm. I do, you know, I fill out all of our customer information. I handle all of our invoicing. I deal with a lot of our quoting on a lot of that stuff. And we -hmm. separated the clients out as well. So, so each of us had a handful of clients. So that way it kind of freed up more time to be working on sales, uh, but it's certainly balancing a balance and it's, it's definitely a challenge. So you both are kind of actively selling. selling. Yes. Now we're at the point where, you know, we, the existing customers, it's, we, we kind of know what to do with those ones. So when an order comes in, it takes me 5% of the time. It took me a year ago to process that. Um, (laughs) the majority of our focus right now is, is sales and growth. 
What was you first my interest with the uh, entrepreneurship through acquisition, right? What was the um, what was the response from folks internally with new ownership and a bunch of you know new guys coming in and yeah, it's, it's interesting because every business we looked at treated a little bit differently. Some of them were super secretive mm-hmm. about it and didn't want the employees to know until it closed. Some of them were not so. Um, this company was very open about it. So the the old ownership, the the gentleman who we purchased the business from was late seventies and was ready to retire, and he let his employees mm-hmm. know about it a while before they sold the business that this was that this was coming, and that helped dramatically. I think, and and just when we walked in here day one, they, they weren't so shocked by us being there. That's interesting. Oh wow. That's interesting. I, I have a, a friend that I recently uh, just ran into who uh, acquired a business himself maybe a year and a half ago. And I asked him the same question and they didn't say anything internally uh, until the deal had gone through. And uh, that was their way of making sure it was successful and, and the, the rumor mill didn't start going. So it's a definitely a different approach. I personally probably would have been pretty wide open about it and had a discussion so that people were comfortable, but that's, that's yeah, I, I think it also, you. it kind of depends on why you're selling the business, right? It, it was not surprising. I think to them that he being the, the age and point in his life that he was wanted to sell. And that helped with, the, with them, with him yeah. saying, Hey, I'm, I'm stepping out of this. Uh, when we stepped into that's the cool. business, all the employees here seem to love working here. So, so we got very fortunate. We have, we have incredible employees and I speak, a lot of our employees are Hispanic. I speak Spanish. So that helped with, with them feeling comfortable with me. I'm sure. And then just, I think another factor was, you know, the fact that we didn't change a ton when we walked in here day one, we were in their truck for yeah. a three to four yeah, month yeah. period. And then we started implementing changes. Oh, cool. Nice. That's awesome. So let's talk about kind of strategy with in this industry. So, you know, in the label printing space, I have limited knowledge of it, you know, did some research before we came here as well. Um, and it seems like there's so many different ways that you can slice this, this industry up um, and chase opportunity. So as you look at your next couple of years, and I think this is similar in a lot of businesses where, you know, people sit around a, a, a table, you know, and, and there can be a hundred really valid, good ideas. Um, but when you, when you talk about executing on them, you know, every single one of them is going to take a lot of nutrients from the company. So, um, you being executionally, um, sort of prone and that you being your mindset, how are you looking at how you're prioritizing your, you know, your strategy and, and kind of the opportunities that you're going to be faced with? Over the next couple of years? Yes, yeah, it's, it's a good question. So there are a couple of things that we're thinking about. Um, you know, the, the most important thing in this in this industry, you know, it's obviously it's, it's similar if you're working in a software company, but our product, it's you look at the label and you can pretty quickly see whether or not it's, it's a good label. But there are a lot of companies out there that make and, and sell labels and it's not, it's not rocket science. It's definitely an art form. Um, there are a couple of different ways that labels are being made today. There are three or four different methods of printing. Um, Flexographic printing being probably the most well-established, just workhorse way of doing it, which is how we do it. We do do flexographic printing here. Um, The biggest 
change I think that people are seeing in this industry is, is you know, exactly what we, we've talked about is technology. So there are digital printers that are coming in yeah. that are doing things at faster speeds, higher quality, more consistent, um, allowing you to do other things. So flexible packaging, shrink sleeves, things like that. And yeah. so our, our thought process was, well, let's, let's keep it flexographic for as long as we can. And then when we need to, we'll jump to digital. We realized pretty quickly that flexographic printing is very much an art form and it's very much something that um, it's also a science, but people can spend their entire careers and lives becoming experts at this trade of flexographic printing. I don't claim to be an expert at that, nor do I really think that I ever want to be. And my business partner kind of feels the same way that we can spend the next 5, 10, 15 years becoming really good at this, or we can kind of just leapfrog past flexographic and just go digital. Um, so we just signed a contract yeah. last week, actually, for uh, like probably one of the newest state-of-the-art digital printers and finishing stations uh, that we're going to buy. So we're going to go ahead and get one of yeah. those. And nice. we're just going to take our business and, and try to bring it to where we're what we're both used to, which is being you know more of a technology company that that makes a product. Oh, cool. Nice. So that, and that, that's like, that's like game changing from what I've heard. The digital stuff is, um, you know, it's quickly becoming a, a big disruptor in the industry. Yes. Is, it's, is it's, that correct? Very, it's just, there are so many yeah. advantages to it. I mean, it's, it's just unbelievable. Um, that's awesome. So when you talk about becoming a technology company in the label space, um, what are some of the other things? Like, obviously there's the method of, of printing, but, are there other things that you're thinking about in terms of, you know, strategically that, you know, um, if you have, if you're talking about being a technology company, are there other things that you're, you're changing or, or thinking about changing or, you know, um, yeah, yeah I think that's the, there that's are. the question. There definitely are. You know, um, we're thinking yeah. about how this ties into our go-to market strategy, you know, how this ties into the experience for our customers. So, you know, buyers today are, are, you know, trending to be kind of in that millennial generation when they're going out, they don't, I, you know, I, I consider yeah. I'm myself in a millennial, I'm, I'm in my thirties. And when I'm trying to buy something new or a software, first thing I want to do is I want to go on their website and I want to learn about it. And I want to get as much information as I can without having to speak to somebody. And I think a lot of people, a lot of people are yeah. like that. So yeah, one is totally. just making it so you can go onto our website and find out everything you need to know about our business, um, creating more content so you can learn more about what is the difference between a polypropylene material versus uh, a clear, you know, a clear film or a paper, and what are the different purposes and use cases for each of those, and also making it really easy to just submit your your artwork and your labels and your orders through that system and have a, a management kind of like a content management system for our customers yeah. so they can really easily just log in and access an account, submit reorders, all that type of stuff. Have a checkout element as well. So if you don't want to talk to anybody and you want to come to our website and you want to buy a couple hundred stickers, you can go on there, you can upload it and it's going to be automated and it'll come right into our system and then we'll ship that out. So it's really about investing into a new, you know, new websites, investing into e-marketing and, and doing as much as we can that's web-based 
so that we can reduce the amount that people have to call and talk to us and go through this whole process. Um, you know, additionally, it's, it's offering like the ability to print any sort of shape. We're buying a laser die cut machine. So you can print, if you want to print a star or a heart and you want it to be a through cut sticker, you can do that. And there are ways to do that with flexographic printing, but it's a lot more costly and it's just not quite as easy. So those are the types of things that we're doing to really try to take ourselves um, into being much more of a technology company. Awesome. Very cool. Nice, nice. So, so what do the next five, ten years look like for you and uh, so your the next, partner and your company? The next five years. Well, the next couple months, um, we're going to probably we're going to continue to operate as is. These machines take a while to get to get built and, and installed. So, once we have that digital printer, it really changes our, our business for us. It gives us the opportunity to expand into. Uh, I can't mention this earlier, but you know, flexible packaging. So it could be cardboard boxes at some point, yeah. um, shrink sleeves. So a lot of the trends in, in beverages in particular are those, those sleeves that go around the, the can or the bottle that aren't labels necessarily. So expanding and broadening our capabilities, going from being a labeling company, we, we want to be a packaging company. We, we don't want to corner ourselves into be just labeling. We'd sure. like to expand our offering and be packaging. So that's one, um, you know, transfer, tra- transitioning this big business into being a digital business in a digital print house is going to be a big undertaking, but it'll help us just to, to speed up our delivery, to improve our quality, our consistency, how on time it is. Um, it'll allow us to, I think, attract much different types of talent. I don't think, you know, some of the new best salespeople around want to necessarily go and be selling this old school flexographic printing. They want to sell the latest and greatest digital technology. So from a brand perspective, um, mm-hmm. there's that first cup next, next. So you're to your, to answer your question directly next five years. Um, you know, I'd say the next, the next year or two is basically a transition into being a digital business. And essentially it's going to mean we're an entirely new company is how it's going to feel. I think to a lot of people around here, um, you know, we're going to invest in these new, we're going to invest in a couple of new landing pages and websites and, and this new software to be able to access everything. And eventually what we'd like to do is, continue to invest in more of these digital printers and spread them out geographically. So, you know, have a plant on the East coast, eventually hopefully get to a place where we have a plant in Europe and make it so we can provide packaging for people across the world. Um, You know, I want somebody to be able to, my long-term vision of what I'd like to have is somebody comes to our website with an idea for a product and we can help them, handle everything, you know, maybe except if it's cosmetics or something, we don't help them do the actual like physical product, but you need a label, you need a a tincture, a a bottle, you need a cap, you need colors. We want to have design services. We do have some design services now, but I want to really formalize and make that more sophisticated. So you can kind of get all of your end to end packaging needs done in one place. Cool. That's awesome. That's awesome. It's a it's an interesting marketplace. It's pretty fragmented. It seems like there's a lot of experts in their uh, you know kind of their domain. Um, so I think it'd be really cool to have a you know a one stop digitally enabled you know s- service in a in a pretty you know it can be a fairly archaic world. So that's fantastic. Cool. Well, um, 
I think that about wraps it up. Uh, is there any, are there any other big points that you want to make? I think Ryder? we pretty much covered it. It's just my last point would be that it's, it's definitely been, cool. I mean, it's been an incredible journey and you know, anyone looking to, to take a slightly different approach to starting a company that maybe does have some appetite for risk, but maybe isn't ready to go and start their own business off, off the ground. It's a lot harder to do that. Uh, I would certainly recommend looking at this as an option because it's been it's been very fulfilling and it's been a ton of fun going through it. Um, certainly challenging, but well well worth the challenge so far. All right. Well, this concludes this week's episode of Intent Topics. Thanks for joining Ryder and folks listening. Please give us a five star rating on whichever platform you're listening on. Take care.